The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth?' Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. 
very early in the morning, while still it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Well, friends, as we dive into uh, the Gospel of Mark, I've got a question for you, nothing sort of terribly confronting or overly personal, but I do want you to have a chat with the person next to you. If you bring to mind a friend, a family member, a colleague who doesn't know Jesus, you picture, gee, if, if you thought them, if you asked them, who do they think Jesus is, what do you think they'd say? Just turn to the person next to you, maybe twos or threes around you. Just if you if you spoke to a friend who doesn't know Jesus, isn't a Christian, and you said, "Who, who do you think he is?" What do you think they'd say? All right, friends. So there's lots of thoughts rolling around. A lot of people haven't got a clue who Jesus is. Others have got all sorts of ideas. Well, that question, "Who is Jesus?" is really what Mark's gospel is all about and uh, we're going to be thinking about that over the next eight weeks on our way through to Easter and so this morning each of you has received one of these little booklets uh, and it's got a space if you were to open it up um, for each week to take some notes on the sermon and uh, to reflect on in your own personal time perhaps um, in growth groups as well and if you were to turn to page nine which is the relevant page for this morning you'll see that there's a couple of questions at the bottom uh, of uh, the space for the sermon notes what I learned about who Jesus is, one way that I want to respond to him is. Because the more that we learn about Jesus, the more that we see that we, we have to respond. I mean, if I was to learn about Abraham Lincoln or Alexander the Great, that would make me better informed about world history, but it probably won't impact the way that I live. But that can't be said for Jesus. So each week we want to pause and we want to ponder these two questions. Who is Jesus and how will I respond? Now you've also received a hard copy of Mark's Gospel and we've given that out for two reasons. The first is because the value of a paper Bible, if you can remember that kind of wonderful invention of a, of a paper Bible, it's not just the Bible on your phone. The, the value of a paper Bible is that it helps us to see how the picture builds. You can see more than just the, the paragraph on the screen in front of you, but what comes before and behind. And I really want to encourage you to have that in front of you. In fact, this morning, I'm not going to be putting up much scripture on the screen, as we often do, because I want, I want you to actually be able to see how Mark has, has put his gospel together for us, to see... The, what he's showing us about Jesus in its context. So hang on to that. If you've got your own Bible, feel free to use that. Um, we'll talk about the second reason that we've given the, this a little later on. Now, one of the joys of reading Mark is that he is incredibly efficient with his words. Mark's gospel is a fair bit shorter than the other three, but that doesn't make him lightweight by any means. Um, the challenge then is that what only takes a couple of minutes for us to read, as Jenny did for us, has so much for us to unpack. So there is a big idea that we want to see this morning, and that is to see a very big Jesus that Mark introduces us to. I think Mark's deliberately gone for a really kind of high-impact opening chapter. So we're going to race over a bunch of things that he has to say. 
And I've got some headings on the screen that will help us to organise our thoughts. So, to begin with, obviously, we're asking the question, who is Jesus? And the big idea is that Mark wants us to see that he is God's son, the victorious king. We know that this is the big idea because that's how he opens his gospel, right? That opening sentence is just chock full of things for us to reflect on. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a short sentence and it kind of serves like a, like a heading for everything that Mark's going to write. The next 16 chapters are really unpacking this one sentence. And if we consider what some of these terms mean, then we're going to see just how much is packed into this brief sentence. So first, what does he mean by good news? The beginning of the good news. I mean, at one level, that's exactly what it says. Good news. We're used to that. But actually, there's a little bit more going on behind that too. If you want to get technical, the phrase good news translates a word that had a fairly specific use in Mark's day 2,000 years ago. If you like hearing about Greek, I don't know why you would... But it's the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. It can also be translated as gospel. Hence, this is known as the gospel of Mark. And it's related to the same word that we get the English word evangelical from. Euangelion, evangelical in English. Which is why on our website, for example, that's a word that we use to describe our church. We're an evangelical church because we want to be gospel people, good news people. And so this is the beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Now, in Mark's day, that word was, it was a common term for news, but, but not just any kind of news. It was typically the news of the victory of the king as he returns from the battlefield. You can imagine the parade of the victorious king coming and the heralds go before him proclaiming the gospel, the good news, the king has won. And so if Mark had said, well, this is the beginning of the fairy tale of Jesus then we'd know what we were in for. But Mark isn't telling a fairy tale, it's truth grounded in history. If Mark had said the beginning of the invitation of Jesus, then we would know that we were about to be offered something. But Mark is not so much offering us something as telling us something. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, which tells us this isn't just a story, it's not just an offer, it's an announcement, it's news of the victory of the king. So who is Jesus? He's the victorious king. But Mark's heading, it goes on, doesn't it? Not just any king, he's God's king. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah. And there's another important Bible word that's loaded with meaning. A Messiah is sometimes translated as Christ, so you might have another version of the the English Bible in front of you that talks about Jesus the Christ, that's reflecting the Hebrew and the Greek origins of this word. Messiah is a Bible word that designates Jesus as God's King of God's people. Among all of the history of human kings, this is the long-awaited King, the ruler of God's people, the agent of God's victory. And so Mark is underlining the connection between Jesus and the Old Testament expectations, hundreds of years of Jewish expectation as they waited for God to send them the promised king. The point for us today is Jesus didn't just you know, drop into history out of nowhere. He's the fulfilment of God's promises through the ages to his people. Who is Jesus? He's God's victorious king. So what does it mean then when, Jesus, when, when Mark sorry, says that he's the son of God? Well, Mark wants us to know, I think, that this, this news about a king, well, he is far more than just an ordinary man. 
The term Messiah could have been used, and it was at a number of points in the Old Testament, used for the human king that God had appointed to lead his people, but the Son of God. That implies a unique relationship with God. In the culture of the day, the Son was the representative of the Father in the household, and especially in a monarchy, you know, the King's Son carried the same authority as his Father. And Mark says, this is who Jesus is, the Son of God. But I actually think Mark is even going kind of He's going further with this. He's getting political about this. If you want to read some of the background notes in that little booklet that I've given you, we've we've mentioned there that we've got lots of good reasons to believe that Mark wrote his gospel about 30 years after Jesus' life, death and his resurrection. Mark was compiling the teachings of the Apostle Peter who was leading the church in Rome. Mark's gospel was written in Rome for the Roman Empire and that context of the Roman Empire is significant. Because the religion of Rome was to worship Caesar, the emperor, as a son of God. This is one of the main reasons that Christians were persecuted by the Roman Empire, because they refused to worship Caesar as a son of God. You see, in Rome, the Roman gospel, their gospel was the announcement of peace for the entire empire, because Caesar, a son of the gods, had won, defeated his enemies. But in this one short sentence, Mark just stares that down. He says, no, I'm about to tell you about the victory of the king. It's not Caesar or anyone else who would claim your allegiance. This is the good news of Jesus, God's king, the son of God, the one you should worship. So who is Jesus? Well, he's God's son, the victorious king. And we could pause and reflect on the significance of just such a punchy heading. That's just one sentence. But Mark doesn't let us even take a breath. He just, he just rolls on. So we're not going to take a breath. We're going to keep rolling, right? Because actually Mark goes on to make an even bigger claim. That when we see Jesus, we see God. Now, that that should actually kind of jar with us. That's a massive claim. That's an outrageous claim. Arguably, that's just a ridiculous claim, that this guy, this bloke who walked the earth 2,000 years ago would would be God. But Mark's turning to the Old Testament and a guy named John the Baptist to make his point. So if you've got it open in front of you, you'll see. We've got a quote in verse 2 and 3 where Mark takes us back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah the prophet warned Israel, or really God through Isaiah warned Israel that they, if they continued in their rebellion against God, they would suffer his punishment, be taken away into exile. But he promised that after that, the other side of that, they would experience his comfort because God would rescue them. And he wouldn't just send someone else to rescue them, not just another prophet or just another king. God promised that he would come to them himself. And the details of what that would look like were pretty vague. But the picture started to come together, that God promised through Isaiah that he would come himself, that he would come somehow as a suffering servant, that he would come as a mighty, powerful, victorious king, and in particular, he would come to give the gift of his Holy Spirit, through whom he would finally enable his people to live as his people. And Isaiah said that 
to prepare his people, God's people, for this momentous day when God would come. Well, God would send a messenger to prepare the way. That's what Mark quotes for us here from Isaiah 40, chapter 3. Well, just a few lines further on from Mark quoted, this is what Isaiah said that messenger would do. He says, you who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. So, okay, we've got this Old Testament expectation. There's a messenger coming to prepare the way for God. We read on in Isaiah and we learn that God will come as a mighty king. He'll come returning victorious from battle, but he'll also come with this tender compassion, the image of a, of a shepherd who leads his flock and gathers the young ones to himself. But the point is, God himself was to come. And so when Mark introduces us to Jesus, the man from Nazareth 2,000 years ago, the confusion might be that well, we picture Jesus as the messenger, right? Preparing the way. But Mark leaves no room for doubt. Verse 2 and 3, yes, there's a messenger to come. Verse 4, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And if you skip down the paragraph to verse 7, this was John's message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Then verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Do you see the sequence? John is the messenger preparing the way for Jesus. And this messenger doesn't just prepare the way for another great prophet or great leader. Isaiah 40, the messenger says to the towns of Judah, here is your God. So who is Jesus? Mark is so good with so few words. He doesn't even have to spell it out for us because he's, he's told us the story that leaves the biggest phrase hanging for us. Here is your God. This is the mind-blowing, incredible claim of the gospel of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Here is your God. But Mark hardly gives us a moment for that to sink in and he, he rolls on with, with more. With his summary of John the Baptist's ministry. You see, John, he baptised people with water. It was a wonderful sign given from God to represent the way that God in his grace would wash away their sins as people repented, turned away from their sin, turned to God in his mercy and grace. It was a great symbol, being washed with water, but it actually did nothing to change people. But John said, as we've just read, that Jesus would be the one who would give his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God to his people, and 700 years ago through Isaiah, God had said that that would be the big change when his king came, bringing his Holy Spirit, who would actually change his people. 100 years after Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah said it would be like having a new heart put in us. 50 years after Jeremiah, Ezekiel said it would be like dry bones being brought back to life, put on flesh and blood, and I could go on because the prophets did. The Holy Spirit bringing life to God's people but only God can give his spirit. So who is Jesus? He's God come to give his spirit. And then Jesus, sorry, Jesus came to John. He was baptised by John and a whole bunch of things happened. Mark just 
drops them in one after another. It's like this montage of who Jesus is. Look at the paragraph beginning on verse 9, the bottom of the page if you're using this copy. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, I've referenced the prophet Isaiah a bunch of times because I think Mark is doing that for us. Isaiah said that when God came to his people, he would come as a suffering servant and the identity of his servant would would be evident to everyone because he would be uniquely endowed with the Spirit of God. Who is Jesus? God is showing us that he is the suffering servant who comes in compassion to take our sin upon himself, to restore us to God. And in verse 11, a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. You see, over, God had, over time, God had clarified that the promise of the Messiah, well, he would be more than just a merely human king like David or Solomon or the other kings that followed but he would be the mighty son of God, part of the divine family. If you're taking notes, look up Psalm 2 that that just captures that so clearly for us. Psalm 2. This is my son, said the voice from heaven. Who is Jesus? He's the mighty king. He's the son of God. He comes in power to guide and to guard his people. Mark rolls on, verse 12, at once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. And here we see Jesus uniquely empowered by the Spirit to do what no other person before or since has done, to withstand temptation and yet not sin. Is rich with symbolism. His 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus kind of figuratively replaces the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness for God's people where they, they just constantly gave in to sin and temptation. Who is Jesus? He's overwhelming. <laughs> He's the perfect man who is God himself. He's come as the mighty king to suffer as the servant for his people who will give his spirit so that we can actually be like him and be with him. Who is Jesus? Mark, in what, 13 short verses, he says he's almost too much for us to get our heads around. Jesus, strong and kind, with some. How great is our God? Jesus, God and man, King and Saviour, this is the Gospel. This is the news. See, these are the very big claims that Mark makes in his gospel. He's so economical in his use of words. He says so much in such a short space. And he'll then go on with the next 15 chapters to to kind of unpack it and, and illustrate it and help us to grasp it. And all along the way, he's going to keep poking us in the nicest way to say, how will you respond? This is Jesus. How are you going to respond? So to be clear, I think there's a really simple point for us today that the gospel is all about Jesus, not us. You know, I think so often we turn the gospel into an offer for us. Maybe you've thought of it this way, that if you do A, B and C, then you can go to heaven. That's the gospel, isn't it? No. The gospel is not really about us and what we need. It's the announcement of who Jesus is. God come to us, glorious King, suffering servant, I think at other times we 
we turn the gospel into the answer for our desires. If you do X, Y and Z, then, then you will enjoy God's blessing. No, the gospel isn't an ad. It's news. It's the announcement of King Jesus. So Mark comes on punchy and the first thing that we need to do is to lift our eyes from ourselves to see this Jesus, to allow Mark to kind of overwhelm us with the the waves of this news and its depth and its content. And you see, whenever this announcement is made, it's actually like another messenger is preparing the way for the Lord. That is what Mark is doing for us. He's preparing the way in the soil of our hearts to, to receive the news of who Jesus is. Mark is doing the same thing that John the Baptist did. He's preparing the way for us to meet Jesus. Mark writes this to us and he says, guys, look at your God. And that's the second reason why we've given you the hard copy of Mark's Gospel. Because this is how God has chosen to keep introducing people to Jesus throughout the generations. If Mark is recording the preaching of the Apostle Peter, well, we're reminded that the Apostle Peter saw this as he walked and and sat with and ate with and listened to Jesus. And then he preached it to the crowds in Jerusalem and in Antioch and in Rome. Let me show you your God. And then what Peter preached, Mark wrote down so that Christians throughout the Roman Empire could hear the news, behold your God. And what Mark wrote for us, we have still And we can actually share it with our friends to simply invite them to read this with us. It's not complicated. To discuss it with us. So that in time, they too can say, wow, now I see who Jesus is. So even if you've got 10 copies of the Bible at home in four different translations or whatever it might be, I want you to take this with you. And actually to begin praying, asking that God would lay upon your heart someone in your life that you might be able to invite to read it with. Perhaps your daughter, you want to raise in the knowledge of Jesus, open it with her and and say, "Let's, let's read about him, let's meet him together. Or a colleague or an old friend. Or God might actually bring someone to light over the coming weeks. But this is the good news. This is the incredible announcement of who Jesus is. And with this in hand, we have the incredible privilege of saying to someone, just like John the Baptist did, Come, meet Jesus and see your God. Now, we could stop there, couldn't we? But I actually want to take just a few minutes more to see that something that Mark highlights for us. Matt did a great job with the kids up here because I actually find it pretty surprising, to be honest. Because Mark has told us who Jesus is with such an economy of words that in 13 verses we're kind of blown away by it. And then Mark shows us what Jesus did. These amazing works of power. Not surprisingly, as God come to us, he could do some amazing things. You know, he calls people to follow him and and they are so compelled by his personality that they drop their fishing nets and they go with him. He's confronted by an evil spirit and in his mighty power he dismisses him, just like a naughty boy being sent to the principal's office. He's brought to a woman who is sick with a fever in a day before antibiotics. And he's great power with his compassion... He heals her of her illness. It is evident 
that everyone around can see there is something different about Jesus. If you've got that little um, page there, verse 27, the people were so amazed that they asked, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Verse 32, the evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus brought to Jesus everyone who was ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Verse 37, his popularity has grown so much that Simon says to him, everyone's looking for you. They want a piece of you. Surely this is what he came to do. God's power on display, God's compassion in action, healing, casting out demons, calling the wayward home. But none of this is actually what Jesus came to do. Jesus himself made it really clear. Verse 14 and 15, Matt read it with us, highlighting it for the kids. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He came to preach. And and Mark kind of bookends this series of demonstrations of his power to help us to see actually this is what Jesus said he'd come for when Simon came to him and said you know everyone's looking for you verse 38 Jesus replied okay let's open up the clinic and start healing again no he didn't said okay we need to go somewhere else verse 38 to the nearby villages so I can preach there also that's why I have come see Jesus came to preach Because he needed us to know the good news about him. He didn't preach about something else, someone else, somewhere over there. He came to preach himself. He came in power. He came in passion. He came in wondrous ways that confirm for us as we work our way through Mark that this is our God. But he came because he needs to challenge us. He needs to call us to repent and I think that's that's so important for us to hear that all too often we want to come to Jesus on our own terms heal me from my sickness free me from my burden close the door on my sufferings open the door on my success give me my best life now I don't say this to parody other people I've felt all of these longings myself but I read Mark 1 and I'm I'm brought to my knees. I'm just awestruck. So often I want Jesus to be my therapist and to fix my problems. But God is showing that those desires, they are just too small. Jesus came as something so much greater. The gospel that we'll unpack in the weeks to come is the announcement that Jesus is God come to us. And this is really good news for us if we're willing to acknowledge him. Because when Jesus preached, he didn't offer, he commanded, repent and believe. It's like Mark saying to the Christians scattered in the Roman Empire, this one, he is truly the son of God. Even if Caesar will have you thrown into the lions or or down into prison if you won't worship Caesar as the son of the gods, this is who Jesus is. Repent from any other allegiance that would take its claim on your heart. Repent and turn to this one and believe. That is, that is lean into this. Know that this is your God and, and lean into it. Live life in light of that truth. 
And so I think we need to let Jesus preach to us too. To preach the news of himself and, and who he is. To humbly ask Jesus to just keep opening our eyes to see how glorious he is. That we would actually delight to set aside any competing priority and lean into life with him. That's what it means to repent and believe. That's what he's calling us to do. Will you pray with me? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you lift our eyes to see Jesus in, in all his glory and majesty. Father, we've been overwhelmed this morning. There's too much to take notes on a page. There's too much to get our heads around in full. But I pray that you would help us just as you drip feed some of these thoughts into us in the week to come uh, to see Jesus in all his glory, to understand more of who he is. And Lord, help us to understand how we respond, to turn from any other claim of the central part of our life and to put him there where he belongs. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.